Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to From Dial Square to Where. Now look people, okay, you all know what's going on yeah? You've got busy lives. But let's get something straight. Subscribe. Start listening. Start liking. You know it's the right thing to do. You know, at the end of the day, when you look back on your week, have you done anything to be proud of? If you ask your parents right about now, they're going to say no. No, you haven't. But if you subscribe, if you like, if you start listening, if you click on the link and start enjoying and start contributing to From Dial Square to Where, they may think a little better of you. Because right about now, guys, okay, you're not, not in their good books. Like it, subscribe to it, enjoy it. Take care, all. All right, Treacle. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Hello and welcome to the new episode of From Dial Square to Where with me, Andrew the Hinkley Gooner. Well, it's the interlull and um, it always feels like the longest period of your life. My God, it just takes ages and ages to get through it and lo and behold, we're playing on Monday as well, so it's going to be even longer to wait. So, there's only so much arse scratching I can do any longer, so here I am, recording for you lovely people. So, what's been going on lately? Well, I must admit, I watched the Ian Wright's interview with uh, Dennis Bergkamp, and I'm not ashamed to admit, but watched it with a big lump in my throat, just remembering all those times watching Bergkamp on the pitch and wow I mean I've just he's just an absolutely amazing bloke I mean watching him in his house with Ian Wright just just reminds you of what a class guy he is and um, I've never seen anyone with a better touch a better first touch of the ball it's just incredible he's just like he's got magnets stuck in his boots and the ball's got um you know, metal in it, and he can just control it. It just sticks to his foot. He just control it like no one I've ever seen. Got to be the best player, I think. Well, definitely the best player I've ever seen for Arsenal, and he's my best player of all time. I mean, I've got so much love and affection for David Rocastle because he's the first real footballer I genuinely sort of felt any kind of love for watching him on the pitch. And uh, I'll never forget David Rowcastle. But I have to admit that 
Dennis Bergkamp has got to be my favourite player of all time. And I don't think we can... Well, hopefully we'll see his like again. But I've never seen anyone like him before or since. And um, I just, you know, miss that guy so much. And it gave me a bit of hope and heart and that watching that um, interview that he will end up back at the club one day because he's got to. He's just got to. Imagine being a, a youngster coming through the ranks in the academy and just bumping into Dennis Bergkamp walking down the corridor and just, you know, working with him every day. It'd just be so inspirational. And um, if he ends up at another club, I'll just be gutted, absolutely gutted. So I just hope and pray that one day he will turn up at the club in a coaching capacity. Uh, otherwise, it'll just be such a waste. It really will. And he, he actually wants to, to come to the club. His family love living in uh, in England, in London. And um, I think it's just, like you said in the uh, interview, waiting for his kids to be, you know, maybe finish schooling or, or whatever, or just be a bit more right for them to to move at that point I don't know but I just uh, hope it won't be too long really um yeah and I've uh, I've just missed him I've missed him being around and uh I mean the most talented player we've got on the books at the moment is Meza Ozil and I've I've been feeling like I should try and steal a march and copyright trademark the phrase the Ozil situation, because it's all we hear at the moment, the Ozil situation. And um, I've been, not, you know, I've always respected the way he plays. I love the way he plays football when he's really in the mood. But I've always been of the opinion that um, we've never seen the best of him. It's unlikely we will ever see the best of him. And it's probably past the time for him to move on but now that time is sort of coming round and it looks like he might go in January there's been a lot of um, clips going around of some of Arsenal's greatest goals and of the Emirates period the Emirates era or whatever and all the top five goals that Arsenal scored and you have to admit that MS Ozil is central to most of them and um seeing him in tandem with Alexis and um, you know the rest of the, the decent players we've had around at this uh, this sort of period of our time it's hard to say that you know we're not going to miss him and it's really hard to understand what's going on and we'll never find out until maybe Meza Ozil brings out a book in the future um, but it's very sad. It's made me very sad that he's been ostracised in the way that he is at the moment. He's still he's still got to be, you know, the best player we've got at the club. And obviously he goes around and around and around. He's the highest player at the club. Not his fault. We offered it to him and he took it. No one else in the world wouldn't have taken it. But at the end of the day, he is the highest player at the club because he's the best player at the club and to not be in the squad is just um, beyond me really Um, I just would love to know what's going on if it's purely down to Emery's ego then that really really is annoying if it's down to him 
really not giving a, a fuck on the training pitch. Fair enough. I'd love to know that. I can't see that, personally, um, but it might be the case. But whatever happens, it's just a shame. When you see all these goals and the way that he's uh, been central to all, pretty much every single one of them, it really is a shame to see him not even in the squad. Um, so, yeah, very, very sad about that, to be perfectly honest. Um Moving on to the uh, the next situation, it was um, reported about um, Lacazette being offered around in the summer for a cut price deal, basically around forty five grand, uh, forty five million. Sorry, got forty five grand. That'd be a nightmare. Um, by a Russian agent, but fortunately, on Football London. It's been reported by James Benj that it's an absolute load of rubbish and it's completely the opposite situation <clears throat> as far as Arsenal are concerned, saying that they are really desperate to tie him down to a new contract. Um, if we were ever going to sell him, it's going to have to be over 100 million quid before they'd even look at it. But they don't want to sell him. Uh, he's currently on 180 grand a week. In addition to bonuses for Champions League qualification, they're looking to extend that. Um, So that's good news anyway. That was a little bit of a concern for a short period of time. But I'm pretty sure that James Benj uh, knows what he's talking about as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, hopefully that's the case. Um, LT Arsenal put a tweet out... um, a couple of things yesterday, which is um, Sunday now, because I'm recording this in the early hours of Monday morning, um, saying, which summer signing of ours has impressed you the most so far? And my reply was, so far, it's got to be Martinelli. But all the signings were good signings, and Pepe will be a legend in time. Don't forget, he's got a five-year contract, and Bergkamp himself said it takes at least six months to settle. That was in that interview that he did with Ian Wright. I completely believe that. I really do. I He's, he's only had still about five starts for the club in all his time with, with us. I still stand by all of the skills that you've seen him do so far on the pitch, albeit in only sort of um, little flashes so far, but it still shows the absolute quality that he's got inside of him. And he scored today for the Ivory Coast, linking up quite nicely with Wilfred Zaha, who um, did a fantastic piece of, uh, well, a few pieces of skill in the box, in really tight spaces. Got the ball to um, Pepe. He was slightly behind him, so he did one of those cheeky little sort of back heel flicks and scored. And um, that could be a good indication for him to rediscover his form when he comes back after the international break. Now, I, until today, or well, actually yesterday as it is now, I didn't know he was going away with the his international team. Um, but listening to a couple of podcasts, one of them did a bit of a search. I think it might have been Ask Blog, and they couldn't see that, um, that he was going away, that he'd been called up. 
so I was hoping that he was actually staying behind um, during this break to, you know, get more training done and um, get a bit more settled. But um, I suppose overall, it's good that he has gone away because um, scoring that goal will give him a lot of confidence. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed on that one. But absolutely no doubt whatsoever that he will go on to be a massive success with the club. Um, and, yeah, so fingers crossed with that one. But Martinelli, my God, I'm just so excited about that kid. Um, I think the sky's the limit with him. I think he's probably got the high ceiling of, you know, future world-class ability than anyone else in the club. I and mean, we've got some cracking players in, in Saka, Willock, they're going to go on to have fantastic careers within the uh, the club. I think you can see that already. I think you can tell um, someone's ability really deep down very quickly by watching them play. Uh, and I'll, you know, I'm pretty confident in that anyway. I think uh, the way that they are on the ball and the technical quality and the, um, the ability they've got, I think you can see that quite quickly. I think um, Jose Mourinho once said quite famously, you can tell if someone's a good player or not after 10 seconds. I, I think that's a bit bit much, but um, I think it is pretty quick that you can tell someone is going to be great. So um, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, I'm very confident with that. I also put a tweet out a couple of days ago, I think it was on Saturday, that... Um, I said, some of the very best coaches in the world are at unfashionable clubs, never get the big jobs, and not a lot of people ever take any note of them or have ever heard, ever heard of them. Um, I really genuinely believe that as well. I think Chris Wilder's a good one. No one had heard of him until he got uh, Sheffield United promoted. But if you look at his back record with his previous clubs, absolutely incredible job, absolutely incredible work that he's done. Right the way through from the conference, he's really worked his way up to where he is now. And um, they're more than holding their own in the Premier League. Um, looking really good, solid. I'm really worried about our match against them coming up on Monday. I'm not very confident playing them away. It's going to be a hell of a lot harder than people think. I've listened to a lot of podcasts with people putting their predictions down. Every single one of them have said we're going to win. I'm not so sure. I'm really not so sure. We'll have to play extremely well and really take our chances. Now, there's one caveat to what I'm saying. I think that if we do have Tierney and Bellerin starting, maybe Holding starting, and not even more importantly, because I think Bellerin and Tierney are probably overall more important, but we might have Lacazette back, fingers crossed as well. I don't know that. I haven't seen anything. A lot of people seem to think he might be back for that match. Maybe he might be on the bench. But if we've got all these players back, then that will give us a much bigger chance. And um, when Lacazette comes back into the team, we've got to fit four players into three slots, and that's going to be tough. Um... You've got to say Lacazette and Aubameyang have got to play. So what do you do? Do you leave out Pepe and risk 
risk, you know, affecting his confidence even more? Or do you leave out Saka, who doesn't deserve to be left out either? He's been playing brilliantly and he's done nothing wrong in my book. Nothing wrong at all. Um, so it's going to be a tough one. Be interesting to see what the manager's going to do on that one. Or I should say head coach is going to do on that one. But going back to the initial tweet as well, I've mentioned Chris Wilder. Um, you've got to have a think about Sean Dyche, is what I put. Philip Simmons, who is um, at 10 Simmer 10, put Dario Grady. And I thought that's a great example um, of the work that he did and bringing through God knows how many players he's. He brought through in his time with crew. Um, you know, just off the top of my head, he, he brought through uh, Ian Rush, David Platt, and there must be a whole list of others that, you know, I'll probably kick myself for not remembering immediately. Um, but yeah, the fantastic um, record he had. And I replied saying, I wonder how Sean Dyche would do managing a big club with lots of money to spend like United. He's synonymous with tough tackling direct football with Burnley, but that's to get the best out of the players he has at his disposal and to stay in the league. With good players and money, he would get his team playing differently. I firmly believe that. I think that managers who have exceptional quality work to the strengths of their players and build a team and a style around the players at his disposal now I'm sure a lot of people will scoff and laugh at what I'm saying here about Sean Dyche but he has worked absolute miracles with Burnley really has he got when they went down that season the club stuck by him and he got them back at the first attempt and he went on to take them to the Europa League with the I've got to be the smallest budget in the league pretty much and uh, a team full of hard working individuals no star names and probably what you'd say are championship players and he sets up his team to play to be extremely hard to beat and let's face it he's got to do that because otherwise they'd get smashed every week but I wouldn't mind putting money on the fact that if he did get a big job and had a, some exceptional players to work with and a big budget to mould the team around him in his, you know, uh, the way he would want, he'd play a different style of football. He wouldn't be playing the same football at Burnley uh, that he did at Burnley if he went to somewhere like, you know, a Man United, for example. He would adapt to the players around him and that is what makes a great quality football coach in my book now I'm not going to say um, I know all the managers around the world that are in that sort of situation where they're an unfashionable club and you know they may have worked in the lower leagues in the country that they're applying their trade whether that's England or anywhere else and um, have brought a a team we've never heard of out the depths of despair and against all odds got them playing great football and challenging with the top teams in, in their leagues. 
Now, I just wish we could just find, you know, you know, like we always marvel when we found a little gem in a player, like, you know, like Martinelli, that no one had ever heard of, in the fourth division in Brazil. I just wish we could do the same with a, a manager when it comes to changing the manager, whenever that may be. And, um, and get someone who can work with the players that we've got and who knows how to play to their strengths and who knows the style of football he wants to imprint on the club and who knows the type of player that he needs to bring in to do that. That is most important to me in a manager. Not some big flashy name, um, because I've had some arguments about Jose Mourinho. I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, I don't know where that came from. You know, people going on about wanting Jose at the club. Um, anyway, I'll come on to that in a bit, like I said. But I'd much rather have someone like that who would work his absolute best because of getting the opportunity of working at a club like Arsenal. Not some kind of mercenary big-name manager who will be off at the drop of a hat the next time Real Madrid shake their uh, their stick at him. I'd want someone that would be really grateful to work at a club like Arsenal and transform the team. Because let's face it, no one had heard of Arsene Wenger when he came in, working over in Japan. And um, I'd love to get an opportunity to have a manager, a young up-and-coming manager that we've never heard of who would go about transforming the club. That would be my perfect manager. Um, or that could be Freddie Jungberg. Just saying. So, moving on to the Jose Mourinho situation. Um, I don't know where it all came from, but it was all over Twitter over the last couple of days about people saying, yes, I'd have Jose, no, I wouldn't have Jose. And I said um, that... I mean, I put a tweet out there about this Jose Mourinho situation. I'm just going to try and find it actually now so I can read it out to you word for word. But um, I wasn't really complimentary about Jose Mourinho, if I'm honest with you. Um... As I was trying, just literally trying to find the specific text that I put out. But basically what I was saying is... Oh yeah, here we are. I don't want Jose Mourinho because he's a manager who can only win by demanding hundreds of millions of pounds to buy the best players and then systematically proceeds to break them and the club before leaving after three years. That's why I hate him as well as the fact that he's arrogant and petulant. And I've got a lot of likes and a lot of you know people that agree with me. And I think football fans and football clubs and the world of football have got long memories. And the way that he disrespected our club and Arsene Wenger, um, saying you know that he's uh, a champion of failure, saying calling him a voyeur, and blah 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 blah, and. Um, He's done the same whichever club he's been at as well. Um, in Italy, he got in so many fights and scrapes with other managers, including Claudio Ranieri, who is probably the most 
unwarranted manager that you could ever think of. He's so such a nice guy. Everyone loves jo- uh, Claudio Ranieri. Maybe not as a manager, but as a person, there's nothing not to like about him. And if you can pick a fight and start slagging him off, then you've got something wrong with you in your head, to be perfectly honest. And that's just one. He had loads of fights over in Italy as well. And I stick by with what I said because I've had a few people come back to me and say that that's not right about Inter Milan. He didn't have, didn't spend millions of money. Well, I'm sorry, but he did. He, he broke the club record bringing in Ibrahimovic um, sorry, uh, to Inter Milan, amongst others. And you can't tell me he didn't spend a lot of money. He transformed that the side before he um, won the treble with them. And, uh, you know, he was a brilliant manager. You know, he had success everywhere he went. But at the end of the day, he always left with a cloud over his head, apart from possibly when he left Porto and possibly Inter as well. But he creates an awful bad mess in pretty much everywhere else he's been. And um, when he went back to Chelsea... It didn't end well, and he did. He's. A, I'm not saying he's not a good manager because he's got results everywhere he's been. Even at Man United, he got that shower of shit finishing second. So he's done something right. But I'm telling you, they were absolutely amazed, amazingly happy. Sorry, when he left. I mean, the club was on its knees, and um, you know the the distress he caused in that changing room was toxic. So, absolutely, not even for short-term gain, I would not want that man in our club. I'm telling you now, I'd rather I'd rather have Sean Dyche. I'd rather have Veng- Arsene Wenger back. I'd rather have anyone. I'd definitely, 100% rather have Freddie Jungberg in the club than that toxic bloke who's going around the world now because he's desperate to get another job. He's going around the world, smoozing everyone as a pundit, set trying to show everyone that he's turned a new leaf but I ain't falling for it mate no thank you I don't want him anywhere near my beloved Arsenal so I'm going to take a short break now and I'll be back after this Hi, welcome back. So, another thing that's happened recently was that Arsene Wenger was named uh, Legend of Football at um, the annual Nordoff Robbins Charity Award Dinner. Um, It was just so nice to see him again. I've watched a few more interviews with um, Arsene Wenger. And no matter what you think of him in his latter years at um, Arsenal, you cannot deny what a legend he is at the club. I still love the man. I always will. And um, even in the worst years, uh, in the latter part of his career with Arsenal, he's you know he still won three FA Cups. And people bang on and on and on and on about how good Pochettino is. He's never won a cup. And even in, uh, like I say, the worst years of Arsene Wenger's reign, he's still got us three three FA Cups. And um, 
as I was growing up as a kid, um, I, I've seen Arsenal managed by Terry Neal, um, Stuart Houston, and George Graham, obviously, with who I love as well. George Graham, another great legend. And um, I never thought I'd see a team that I supported, Arsenal, play football with such amazing brilliance that Arsene brought to the club. And for that, I'll always be grateful to him. And um, he's got, you know, incredible intelligence and integrity, love and passion for the club. And um, I don't know who it was, but someone once said that when he left Arsenal, he left his heart at Arsenal and um, he'll, you know, he's broken hearted, basically the way it all went. And I, I believe that. I genuinely believe that. I think he's back, getting back to form now, thank goodness. It's lovely to see him out and about and, um, you know, collecting this award. And um, I just wish him all the, the very, very best. He's been mooted as being being in charge of, um, I can't remember the, the exact title, but in charge of, sort of football operations for FIFA. And I, I couldn't think of a, a better man to do that, to be perfectly honest, a, a job like that. I don't know whether it's his ideal job. He's uh, said quite often that he misses being involved on a day-to-day basis at a football club and on the training pitch. And, um, you know, I do hope that he gets a, a job that he enjoys and uh, doesn't uh, have to come up against Arsenal, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how I'd feel if Arsenal came up against the team managed by Arsene Wenger. Another job that I'd like him to have is the, um, the England job. I think that would be uh, get my love for England back again and hopefully we won't see so many Spurs players in the squad. So that would be good as well. But yeah, I wish him all the very best. I've never got a bad word to say about Arsene Wenger personally. I can't understand the fans that hate him. I really, really can't. I think a lot of the stuff that was going on he uh, protected the club as best as he could. Took a lot of the crap on himself. And, um, yeah, I just think he, he just loved the club. would do anything for them. And um, he's got this book coming out soon. I think he's, um, it came out on Twitter that the book publisher has uh, been chosen. So, another step closer to actually getting it. But... A lot of people are saying, and I'm obviously one of them, I definitely want to read the book, but um, I think people are getting very excited about it, thinking, you know, it's going to have all these revelations in it. I'm not so sure. Again, I don't think he'll do the dirty on the club. I may be proven wrong, but he's just such a a gentleman. His heart's still at the club. I'm not sure that it will be as sort of hard-hitting and, you know, raking any dirt and getting to the bottom of a lot of stories, as we think. Uh, I may be wrong, like I said, and I hope in some ways I am, but I can't see him ever wanting to sort of drag the club through the mud. 
Um, I think he just he's just too much of a gentleman to do that. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what it's what it contains. But I uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it immensely, um, as I'm sure a lot of you are. Um, I saw also, and I'm just trying to uh, to find it now. But there was. Um, no, I'll come back to that. I'll come. I'll, def- I'll come back to that one. I wanted to talk about um, the or oh, how frustrated I was last Wednesday. I hope you you will all listen to and watch the YouTube show I did on Wednesday, which was very exciting for me. Two of my sort of podcast idols I had as my guests on there: in Elliot Smith from the Arsenal Vision podcast and. Um, Harry Simeon from the Chronicles of Aguna and I've uh, been looking forward to it for quite some time got to the uh, stage unfortunately uh, all the best to, to, to Glenn Glenn T- DITM who was going to be on there with us but um, unfortunately last minute he had to, a mercy dash to, to pick up his wife from the, from the train station uh, she wasn't very well so I wish Glenn and his wife, all the very, very best. Hope they hope she's okay now, and um, you'll be seeing a lot more of Glenn on the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, it, when it got to the time, and I was, uh, we we kicked off the show. Lo and behold, after usually having fantastic um, broadband speed with Sky Fiber in the, in my house, it started to play up. So. unfortunately I couldn't concentrate as as good as I wanted to I couldn't hear as good as I wanted to and um, yeah it spoiled it for me unfortunately but you can still hear Harry and uh, Elliot perfectly they had no such issues thankfully Um, so I really urge you to go over and listen to and or watch obviously on the YouTube channel that show and I'd like to thank the uh, the guys, Elliot and Harry, very, very much again for being guests. And um, I'm very pleased to say that I've got some more excellent guests as well lined up for future episodes coming up starting this Wednesday. Um, I'm not going to say who it is right this moment, but um, watch my Twitter for news over the next few days. Um, but yeah, another great uh, few guests coming up starting this coming Wednesday so please make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel share it with your mates and um, help me get the word out there if you've got any questions or comments or anything you want to say about any of the podcasts any of the shows on Twitter or YouTube then please do get in touch on Twitter it's at from dial square and my email address is from dial square to where at gmail.com so please do get in touch. Um, yeah, it's always good to hear from you. So I'm just going to take one more break and I'll be back shortly. Welcome back. Now, there's been a massive debate. I discussed this on Wednesday with Elliot and Harry. 
um, about how we think about the team at the moment. Um, regards performances and how we feel about the team regarding results and league position. And it's a really difficult one because, yes, we're in a good position in the league. We've only lost one game in this season. Um, but we are only eight games into the season and we're not going to stay third if we continue playing for only 45 minutes in each game, whether that be the first 45 or the second 45. And um, I'm watching each game at the moment, apart from the cup games, including Europa League, which I'm enjoying, and the uh, Carabao Cup. But I'm watching the league games from behind the sofa at the moment, and um, I just don't know how long I can stand that for, to be perfectly honest, because it's just the same all the time at the moment. It's a continuation from last season and we could have another situation virtually the same as last season where we had the 22 game unbeaten run and uh, we're in a similar type of run now and we all know what happened afterwards last season and if things don't change, it could happen this season as well. So, I'm choosing to be still positive because I love the squad that we've got. And we've got some great players coming back and I'm just hoping that the form has been down to the fact that Unai Emery has not had his first choice central defending, um, sorry, the the, the defence as a whole, basically. He hasn't had that. He's had uh, three out, as we all know, this season and two of those for a big part of last season as well. And I just hope that he does bring those players straight back into the team after the interlull on Monday. Um, but I'm not sure he will change the central defenders, um, whether Rob Holding's fit to start or not. I think he'll still go with Socrates and Louise. Um, I want him to go with Louise um, because I think he's the real captain of the squad. You saw when he scored against uh, Bournemouth how much the squad thinks of him and he is the only one on the pitch giving out orders shouting at people telling them where to be and he's the general um, on the field not Granny Jacker um, so it doesn't matter whether he's called the captain or not he is the leader on the pitch and um, I really like him still I know he's made a few blunders this season but that's not down to him I don't think in my book because he's just been put under too much pressure um, with players just running at him all the time and you're bound to make mistakes and try and do the best for the, the team but it hasn't gone well on that occasion but I still think we need him in the team now um, if we took out Socrates and put in holding then that's a little bit of an issue alongside Louise because they're both left-sided central defenders so I'm not sure that they'll complement each other brilliantly, but I'd rather see that either way than having Socrates because, yes, Socrates is a good player, but as I said 150 million times now, you must be bored of hearing the same thing. Socrates only has, I don't know, 85-90% of a good game every week because the other times he does stupid things. And his mind just wanders off and goes down the chippy and comes back. 
at some point during the match. So I'm not confident with Socrates in the team because he will always make some kind of blunder. Um, so I really want to see Rob holding back. Um, I mean, the ideal thing would be Rob holding and Callum Chambers longer term, but we do need to have Louise in the team. I really think we do because, um, like I said, the, the, you can see what he means to the rest of the squad. After he scored, um, God knows how he didn't get injured during that celebration where everyone piled on top of him. Got no idea. But, um, yeah, it was really lovely to see. And it was a good goal. Well-taken goal. I think he's a good a player for goals. I think he, he could be worth six, seven, eight goals a season to us, to us genuinely. Um, not just from corners, but free kicks and um, just general play, long shots and that as well. So, And the assists. Not to even to mention the assists. I think um, if he gets the chance, then um, he's going to be laying them on a plate uh, throughout the season. So I was wondering whether it would be worthwhile toying with the idea of a back three and wing backs when Bellerin and Tierney are back because they can play either way. They can play full backs or wing backs. But I know that. Unai Emery has been waiting for so long to have his first choice back four out that he might be reluctant to do that now. Um, but it could be a really good way of playing, really. With Louise in the centre of a back three, with uh, Holding on one, on his left and uh, Chambers on his right. Bellerin and Tierney bombing down the wings and dropping back. And then in front of them, we could have a, a double pivot of... Um, Sabayos and Guendouzi or um, Sabayos uh, sorry um, Guendouzi and Torreira probably be- preferably and alternate between Sabayos and Willock with uh, pushing further forward so yeah I don't, I don't know I don't know what to suggest really but that wouldn't you wouldn't really be able to play the front three then but I don't know I don't know what how to play it really but We'll have to wait and see what the gaffer does when they're all fit. But So, yeah, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt still at the moment, but I just can't think about sort of watching the team for the rest of the season playing in the way that we are playing at the moment. And I sincerely hope that it is down to the lack of first-choice starters in the squad. Because if, if they do come back into the team and we still play like we have been doing, then I'll be... Uh, very very uh, disappointed with that I really will so fingers crossed so I'm stepping another one last break and I'll come back with the last section and I look forward to speaking to you soon have you liked it yet? no? why not? what's going on? you should be ashamed of yourselves your grandparents right about now are thinking uh, wrong ends absolute wrong ends. This is wrong, and you know it. Start liking, start subscribing, get on with it. Thank you very much. Hi. So, on the show that I did on uh, Wednesday with Elliot and Harry, um, we discussed the, well, the terrible situation 
very very funny um with those down the road and um so much stuff i'm not going to uh you know risk a slanderous comment obviously but there's so much uh gossip going on from their their changing room and subsequent black eyes etc everyone knows what i'm talking about but um it, it really i don't know i don't know what i prefer really whether to potch to get sacked or him to just walk out or just let it carry on and risk him sort of turning it round again really but I just can't see it happening. I mean, the squad is just so broken now. It was stale before, but now it's it's just broken. And I just struggle to see how they're going to sort of get out of it. But you always live in fear that that might happen. But I just um, think that Poch is... He's done well for them. He's... um, was it really down to him or was it just the fact that he's he, he's been lucky with the squad that he's he's got? I don't know. But at the end of the day, he's won fuck all. And he still gets uh, his arse licked by the media even now. And during 2019, they'd be in the bottom, I think they'd be sort of 15th or below on their form in the league. And that says a lot, really. And um, yes, they got to the Champions League final, but I think that was just more by by luck than judgment. Let's face it, they could have been out in the group stage, they could have been out against City, they could have been out against Ajax. And um, yeah, just sort of managed to sort of rescue it in the last minute. But I don't know. I just think it was... Like I say, more luck than judgment, really. That, and it papered over a lot of the cracks, to use a well-used, worn-out phrase. And, um, I mean, Indy Kyler news, you know, at Indy Kyler, always good, always good value, really. He's one of these in-the-know in the accounts. I mean, they, they said the other day, um... I think this was on Sunday. Can't say much, but at Spurs official are in trouble big time. Well, you, you no know shit, Sherlock. I mean, that's been going on for God knows how long. And uh, the Gooners podcast. Um, hi to Mike and Andy. Big up. Uh, if, if, but you should just stop every tweet after can't say much. And that's true because everything that they say, I mean... God knows why people follow these accounts. Um, let's have a look. 290,000 followers. 290,000 for stuff that anyone could put out. It's just ridiculous. I mean, they're not in the know at all. They just sort of search the media outlets and just regurgitate everything that anyone can find. But, uh, yeah, it just makes you laugh, really. Yeah, can't say much, but Spurs are in trouble, big time. Yeah, we know. Just fuck off. Um, and the last thing I was going to say, such a good... I mean, I've, I've been seeing a few um, videos 
uh, over the last few days about uh, Santi Cazorla. And tonight, or last night as it was now, um, he came on for Spain, uh, replacing, funnily enough, Danny Ceballos. Um, And it was just a heartwarming moment, really. Um, Watching some highlights of him play this season, um, he's literally got back to being one of the best players in the division. And um, it wasn't long ago that he had um, virtually no chance of ever playing football again. And to see him not only getting back out on the pitch and playing football, but to such a fantastic level, it's just heartwarming to see, really. Um, Criminal how his career at Arsenal was cut short like that. Um, And I can't remember whether it was his arm or his leg, but apparently... I mean, he was so bad. He had a tattoo on his... I think it was either his arm that is now on his leg or he had a tattoo on his leg that is now on his arm. I can't remember which way around it was, but because they had to use some of the tissue, it must have been... It was on his arm because they must have taken it off his arm and, um, yeah, used that tissue um, for his leg repairs and, you know, I don't know, you know, whether it was uh, for scarring purposes or whatever. I don't know, but they had to take a, take off one part of his body and put it onto his other. Well, either way, it's just horrendous the injuries that he suffered, and to see him coming back and playing so fantastically. And you must have all seen the goal he scored against Barcelona recently. It was just phenomenal, and uh, yeah, I just wish that he could, could still be doing that for Arsenal. Uh, to such a fantastic level because boy how could we do with him right now so yeah big up Santi Cazorla and such great news to see you back at such a great level playing football brilliantly and uh, playing again for your country so fair play to you so that's it now then for this week Um, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on whichever is your favourite podcast platform we're on all of them pretty much Please subscribe to the YouTube channel to make sure that you and hit the notification so make sure you don't miss any of the live shows. Again, should be going live this Wednesday at seven o'clock. Don't miss that. Big guests coming up on that show and uh, for the future episodes as well. And get in touch with the show as I mentioned earlier. From Dal Square to Where at gmail.com and on Twitter at From Dal Square. For now. Take care. The birthdays this week. Gunagal49. Happy birthday for this week. I hope you had a good day. Um... I can't find that tweet you put out anymore. I don't know whether you deleted it, but that was mind-blowing. I don't know whether I should say it in case it's incorrect now, but Duncan James from Blue, being the great-grandson of um, Doug, uh, Herbert Chapman. God, completely been out of my head. How terrible. 
Yeah, Duncan James from Blue, the great-grandson of Herbert Chapman. Mind blown. Could not believe it. So, yeah, anyway, happy birthday. Promised you I'll give you a happy birthday. And here is your happy birthday. Hope you had a great day. Thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. We really need your help to spread the word about from Dar Square to Where. So if you haven't done so already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the From Dar Square to Where YouTube channel and hit the notification button so you never miss a live show. And finally, please tune in to the live shows. Don't forget, you can get the chance every week to be the star alongside Andrew and his great guests just for being the most entertaining viewer on the night. Thanks again and see you on the next episode. Bye! this morning. I'm so husky, I can scarcely speak. But my deputy, old Tom Whittaker, will perform. Now, Tom. Tom. All right. On my right, Boy Baston. Please outside left. Alec James, next. We Alec is called. Please inside left. Jack Lambert, our smile and centre forward. Bob Jan, a Welsh international left half. Herbert Roberts, a tall centre half. Little Charlie Jones, another Welsh international. Frank Moss, our goalkeeper. Lancashire lad. David Jack, our inside right. Joe Yu, our flying outside right. And the popular captain, Tom Parker. He's not so old as he looks, by the way. Oh, good, well, then, jolly good company. Hey!